Welcome to the Beer and Gear Podcast with Chris Taylor. Today, actually, we go back quite a while. It's Mr. Giz, but how are you doing, Giz? Uh, I'm good now. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, Chris. How's how's, yeah. life, how's life treating you? Uh, I got. I can. I consider myself lucky. Do you know what I mean? I'm. Yeah. I mean, every day, I. Yeah, I consider myself one of the lucky ones. Yeah. You know, just it's interesting. Everything's interesting. Yeah. It's just it's just literally trying to find positive things to do in it with your time and it's not because it's it's been a very difficult last year for like well yourself especially and, and, and me to a certain yeah. extent not been able to get out there and play shows and and try and find ways to keep your creativity um up yeah and... well last year you know just before the shit hit the fan um my band jana stark would release this album um angel in the flames and, uh, you know, we, we went through the full, I went through the full process of, you know, everything, the whole kind of getting back into writing. I went through a period of time where I almost gave up writing. And the reason why for that was because I just hadn't had any success at all with it. You know, during the, uh, the more I see period, I just suffered so much fucking bad luck with it. You know, it was like, it, I just thought to myself, you know, really why bother, you know, I'm going to such great lengths to, to do all this stuff no one's listening so i thought stuff it you know i'm not going to bother writing anymore and then i just got something back when david bowie died i kind of like started writing again and um, picked up the guitar started writing some riffs so i went through the whole process of writing a new album recording it getting a label putting it out getting gigs lined up tours we supported the wild hearts we got the first album re-released yeah uh on vinyl which you know was great and then, um, you know, we got the album was released, um, good reviews all round. And the Wild Arts tours, I said, fantastic. You can't get any better. All the ducks were in a row. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Everything was set up. Yeah. And we had, you know, like about 50 dates booked. And then one by one. Everything gets cancelled. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think... I'm trying to remember when we played our last show. We've got a feeling it could have been, it might have been February the 29th in Manchester, maybe. Right. Yeah, so, and then they all went, you know. Just in this this year as well, like there's only certain festivals happening this year, isn't it? Like download's been put off till next year, hasn't it already? Because it just fell at the cusp of the wrong time in June before the, well, the supposed date that we're all, you know, the, back to normal, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, Rebellion Festival's happening. Right, cool. Yeah, do you know that one? I've not been to that one. No, I haven't actually been to that one. No, I've, su it... I've supplied stuff for it in the past, but not, not actually. Yeah, oh, yeah. cool. Well, yeah, you know it's the punk festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's happening, and um, we're on it. Super. So, and we kind of, we took the chance. Well, everyone did, didn't they? Especially the promoter. Um, it was cancelled last year, and then we just said, well, look, you know, please consider us for the next year and if we have to cancel it that year then consider us for the next year we are here you know yeah, yeah, yeah. in fact that stood that what i've done is said to all the promoters i said look we're here 
when you need us, when you're ready, we're, you know, we're not going to split up. We're going to hold up. Very, I know it's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. This has tested all of our sanity, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all got our ways of holding it together. Uh, And one one of my ways has just been, I've just got so just just wrapped up in the guitars, you know, and uh, I must admit, I bought a few. You know, yeah. I bought a few bits and bobs. Well, guitar sales are up massive in the last year because people have been at home just not going on holidays, not buying new cars and buying guitars, basically. Yeah, really? Yeah, and you can see a trend in it um, from the manufacturers as well because this whole thing's got a knock-on effect in so many different ways. It's like I did the virtual NAM thing a couple of weeks ago because um, obviously they couldn't hold the NAM show, so it was done on um, on a website. Um, but like yeah. Every, yeah, yeah. Every, yeah, every manufacturer... For the last few years, you've seen great leaps and bounds, haven't you, in sort of the 500, 600 pound level and the quality yeah. that you can get. This year, it's top end only. Literally, people are just bringing out high, high price, um, mm. high price instruments that 1,200 pound and above sort of thing. 2,000 quid. And it makes sense, doesn't it, really? Because if you think about it, if you've got a, that's basically the stuff that they can make in their own factories because they can't rely maybe on the import. Um, schedules because factories are getting closed and all this kind of stuff because of covid and, yeah and you could, it's literally they've had to just sort of focus on what they do best so that, that's why you see top end stuff coming out I guess. yeah i know exactly well, i'll tell you i've seen some of the the very latest uh ibanez you know the kind of like telecaster looky likey ones with very tasty tremolo systems yeah. and beautiful tops you know i mean yeah it's like it's like you know, like it's like they've, they've, they've made a better telly isn't it <laughs> you know yeah, I mean, I'm tempted. Yeah, I've got you. I've got to be careful though. It's just so I get I, I get so obsessed with guitars. I, I, I'm the same. Like in in this room at the moment, this is where I normally sit to do like me recording and stuff like that. So what I've got out at the moment here is just what I'm using for tracking at the moment. But yeah, well, I'm doing the there's same. Another, there's another five or six there. <laughs> it's like you know, they're everywhere. <laughs> they're everywhere. <laughs> I'm the same, but the approach, because like I'm writing a new album uh, for Jaina Stark, um, and the approach I'm taking this time is when I do a demo. So I do a, you know, I demo every track, and um, I, I'm currently in like the home demo studio. All right, so you can't. I mean, you've got the tasty microphone over here. You can't see everything. I've got like a Roland electronic drum kit over there. I don't play it, by the way. I'm shit. I can actually do a very crap drum beat. And then uh, fix, you it, know, fix, it in, fix it in the MIDI? Uh, <laughs> I always like, you know, I, I'll get Fozzy to play it because, you know, he's great. And I wish that light had stopped going out. And um, yeah, but anyway, so I'm in the home demo place. So, But what I've been doing is because we got, Andy Hawkins, he's going to produce it. And now I want to get him more active rather than me co-producing. I just want him to be the producer. Yeah. So what I'm doing is, is I'm demoing every song with one guitar only. Now, I don't mean one track. I mean, I'll multi-track it, but with one guitar. So that he hears the character of that guitar pure. And then later on, he can decide, yeah, we'll use that one for that song or that section of the song or, you know, something like that. Yeah. 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 Cool. That's actually, that makes a lot of sense actually. Is yeah. It- well, Terry Thomas, when we did the first Jane, the Stark album, he really went to town on the guitars. You know, he was like, um, 
brilliant at deciding what guitars should be used for what part of what right, song. Okay. And okay. he was brilliant at it. I love I love layering different sounds and guitars, but I like that I like that um, that ethos you've got there of like, well, just use one guitar for all the tones on a particular song because even just with one guitar, there are so many different tonal characteristics where you put your volume knob, where you pick up selector, is that kind of stuff, how you pick it, you know. It's, of course. Yeah, it's 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 kind of earthy, really. It's kind of really yeah. getting back to like, I've got this, and it's going to make all the sounds I need, you know. Well, I mean, let me give you an idea. Put this one down a second. Uh, this one over here, Bluey. Uh, I mean, this is this has kind of been my famous. I've had this one for a, quite a while. I got this one during the Prodigy days. Yeah, I kind of designed it. It's a GAX. I was kind of part of designing the GAX. Yeah, I remember when they came out. And. Uh, you know, they said to me, they came up to me, uh, Ibanez this is, um, when the Prodigy were playing in uh, LA, they came backstage and they said, um, you know, if you was going to design your own guitar, what, how would it be? What would you have? You know, so at that time I was playing SGs. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking of an SG shape, but at the same time in my head, I had the impression of, you know, Johnny Thunders, because I've always thought that he looks cool. You know, he's never wasn't the greatest guitarist by any stretch, but always looked good. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I just thought, well, you know, I'd like something kind of be between like an SG and a, you know, like a Melody Maker, a Les Paul Junior. Yeah. So I was just really going around the shape, around all of these things, you know. And then they, you know, got this and this. I'll give you a little idea about the whole prodigy thing. I've got this in there. Oh, sweet. So, yeah, you can combine that with delays and things. But uh, the tone of this monster is just fantastic. This has got such a great sound. It's, it's I mean, that's that thunk. Yeah, it's got it's got it's it's got the attack and the body. I think what pickups are in that. This has got the the classic Seymour Duncan JBs. Um, funny thing is, is with these ones. Uh, because they've they've set them in these kind of pickup holder. <laughs> tell yeah, me the right rings. word. Pickup rings. Yeah. Pickup rings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they've they've set them and they're really high. Yeah. So they're right. right so up, right up to the strings, basically. Well, the bloody pickup. What do they call? They get rings. Yeah. Pick pickup rings. Are, they're fucking really high. So I have to have the pickup inside it. Kind of have to bring it down a little bit because right, if okay. I don't, it screws with the intonation because the pickup. Well, yeah. the, the power of it is always pulling on the damn the string. Ma the, magnet, the magnet pull, yeah. Yeah, and so it's it messes with the intonation. So I have to bring it down a bit. If I don't, I mean, you get awesome tone, 
yeah. sacrificing playing in tune do you know what i mean which, which, which kind of matters when you're recording yeah <laughs> or which one should i go for yeah. oh the tone is so good oh i don't care tuning's overrated anyway yeah tune the, tune the bass to the guitar damn it <laughs> look i can tune it right mid-song no problem so anyway yeah you get the idea i mean the uh, um i record with this guitar like all the time yeah. So, like, for instance, if I play you uh, just I'm self-plugging myself here, Chris, excuse me. It's all good, mate. So that's a song called Crucify All the Leaders off the new Jane Stark album, right? And sh straight away you've got that. Just I'm, I'm thinking about the rhythm guitars here. Okay, so... Yeah, you get the idea. Yeah, I get it, man. Get it? Got a great tone. And of course, I'm thinking about rhythm because i do i like to think about rhythm and lead and bass you know all of it uh i don't just think about soloing and i love it you know i, I could solo all day long and very therapeutic i love it but you know your rhythm guitar is your you know it's your backbone isn't it the it's the bread and potatoes, isn't it? yeah yeah you know it's your bread and butter well, you, and, you, uh, you play you play basically any any guitar player it's like it can be the flashiest lead player in the world, but ninety percent of the time they're playing rhythm. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully not that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, you know, we'll soon sort that out, Chris. <laughs> uh, but um, no, because I do love playing uh, lead. But um, but you know, when I watch uh, um, you know, like something on YouTube where they're kind of demonstrating a pickup. And I just get like loads of awful blues playing, like yes. ter terrible blues soloing. Sometimes and I, think, I, just, I just want to hear a really good Pete Townsend style chord. Well, like just play me the fucking riff. riff. Yeah, just do the riff. Yeah. You know, I, I, I want to hear, you know, I want to hear. No, I want to hear that. I want to hear that kind of thing. I want to hear what's the pickup capable of. Yeah, you know, all that. I want to hear. And how does it sound when I go? What do them chords sound like? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's our reference though isn't it you know you want to hear something that's applicable to like i judge i judge pick up sounds by like it's like you say riffs i don't really want to hear 90 million notes or a blue solo oh, well i mean i give you an idea i mean like there's a telecaster i have to excuse the tuning this has got um bare knuckle pile drivers oh right okay
sounds absolutely awesome, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, and that's what you want to hear, you know. Rather than really shoddy blues solos, you know. Or, or, or sometimes in the neck of it with like the million mile shred thing, where if, if you're going to demonstrate like a product to me, I want to hear it. I don't want someone just showing off themselves. I want to hear what Yeah, well, they you can't blame them. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> you so, can't blame them. It's all for you. It is fun. So I've noticed like, obviously on Facebook and stuff that you've been putting... Bare, bare knuckles in quite a few guitars recently, haven't you? What, what, yeah, do you like, what, what, what do you like about them? Lots of things. Um, so, like, you know, I've put bare knuckles in my Fender Strats. Yeah. And because I weren't, I just wasn't playing them. I mean, I, you might say, well, you've got all those Ibanezes. What do you want to play a Fender Strat for? Well, because you see, the thing is, a strat's a strat. A strat's a strat. Yeah. And, and you know, Again, when um, Jane Stark, when we were doing the, the first album, The Great Adventure Cigar, Terry Thomas was such a great producer. And he would say, use this guitar for that song, use this one, that, that. And he would get every guitar out. There'd be Strats, Telecasters, SGs, everything, you know. Uh, there's, I've got this Ibanez called, a, uh, is it a Talisman? Talman. Ibanez Talisman? Talman. Talman. Yeah. I'm thinking of Talisman, which is... Something to do with I don't know, is it to do with magic or something, I don't know. something like that. <laughs> but um, so the Talman, which is kind of, you know, it looks like a cross between a a, a Strat and a Tele almost. Yeah, it was, it was like when they first came out in the nineties, and it was that they're kind of retro. They're, they're, they're sort of yeah. looking line. Yeah, Offspring used to use them. That's right. Yeah, Noodles had one. In fact, That's right, Noodles. Good, fact, good guy, it, Noodles. His uh, his signature model used to cause his headaches. I'll tell you why? Because it was. Why? It was covered in um, gaffer tape, silver gaffer tape. That was the finish. It was covered in gaffer tape. And people would buy them, and like two years later, they'd ring up saying, the gaffer tape's peeling off. Uh, and we'd go, well, yeah, it's gaffer tape. <laughs> That's what it does. Put some more on. You know what I mean? like... <laughs> or take it all off. Or, or take it off, yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> So yeah, um, so the bare knuckles, you know, so in my my mind is, look, I've got this guitar, which is kind of unloved. And I, I want to stop that now, you know, I want to, and I, I, I've been listening a lot to a band called the Night Marchers and another band called the Sultans. And uh, these are bands that are run by John Reese, the lead singer of Rocket from the Crypt. All right, okay. And um, he's based in San Diego, so his bands are kind of based. He's also in the Hot Snakes that are more of a kind of, um, you'll have to excuse me, my brain's just dried up very quickly. <laughs> uh, Post-hardcore. Right, yeah, okay. so, uh, and I love these bands, you know, they're, they're all great. Um, and there's a lot of single core pickup stuff going on in these songs so um, it kind of makes me think listen you know I, I shouldn't shy away from any of this no. especially when i do the new album i want the album to have lots of sounds dynamics as well that, yeah, yeah i want dynamics yeah. there's a certain thing that telecasters and strats are going to bring there is and i want, I is. want that you know there is I, I love tellies and strats because like you say you can have 
different guitars. Like I say, Ivan has a really great at giving you that kind of, those kind of sounds in a modern instrument, but at the same time, they're not they're not a strat and they're not a telly. You no. you can have the single core pickup sounds in your RG, for example, but it's yeah. not the same. A strat fights you in a different way. No, it? like for instance, yeah. you know, like like let's say Polyphia when they use a single. Uh, coil sound in some of their stuff and i love that but it is kind of like single call with a stinking attitude isn't it <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah. yeah whereas you know stevie ray vaughan now that is like the most beautiful sounding single core sound of all time in I'd my agree. Opinion. I'd, I'd agree i'd agree with you know that. i'm absolute sucker for stevie ray vaughan i could listen to him night and day me yeah, too i have done I, I will say as well i mean i'm not a massive fan of his music but john mayer's got some great single call tones as well yeah yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm the, I'm the wrong, I'm the wrong sex to really enjoy it, like, but it's you know, but his tones are great, you know. Yeah. So yeah, so basically, bare knuckle. I thought, look, I'm gonna put in the strat. I'm gonna put some hot pickups. Um, I mean, I was listening. I was checking out some Paul Gilbert stuff. So I was kind of convinced that I was going to use. Um, he's got a Dimaggio single call. I was, I was gonna, I, I bought it and I was gonna put that in. Injector. That's the one, yeah. And um I think I've still got it. I don't think I put it in. Well, no, I did put great. it. But they're in well, the I put... They're great sounding pickups. But I put it in, and I was with Andy Sneap, you know, my best mate. I know Andy, yeah. So um because we would we just we we're both absolutely obsessed with guitars and we just we can't leave it alone. So I went up to his and we got this uh strat and we were we put in this injector and then we both went, mm, sounds a bit brittle, doesn't it? You know, and then, oh, let's try something else. So we tried uh, one of my friends, he gave me a Seymour Duncan, we, uh, quite a, you know, high gain one. We put that in and we thought, mm, it's getting there. It's kind of getting closer. And then he had a bare knuckle sinner hanging around and said, let's put that in. I put it in. Oh, yeah. This is it. That was it. So that then that was it. Then I got in, you know, I basically bought myself a, a couple of sinners and then I bought the whole set, you know, so I I got the, the full sinner set. So yeah, yeah great. Yeah, and you've been you've been using the, the, the Vega trim, haven't you, recently as well? Because that, that that's starting to take off in places now. You're seeing lots more. But they really do give you a like so I'd like to see it because it's it's like a it's a it's a a modern vintage tram, isn't it? That actually gives you all the benefits of like a the play of a Floyd or something without the locking. Absolutely. I mean, I I fucking love it. I love it. Um, look, let me just give you a run through with this. Bear with me in a second, Chris. No worries. Okay, here we go. Right. So what I've been doing with the Vega Trem is because, you know, you know, okay, you know, I'm a punk rocker and I play in punk rock bands and stuff. And when you play kind of, you know, I don't know, flash guitar, it doesn't always go down well with, with the old punks. Sometimes they kind of like, they don't, they don't like it. You know, I can understand it. It's like, for instance, a lot of old punks don't like it when you step up to the stage with an Ibanez RG550, they'd rather see... A Les Paul Jr. or something A Les like Paul. Yeah. yeah, a Les Paul. But sometimes a guitar like this, which is kind of like the crappy old guitar that you got left by 
you know, one of your best mates who, you know, he put it in his will. So you end up, you yeah. get this guitar, yeah. you love it because you've your memory of your best mate, you know, you love your best mate, but they've passed, you've got this guitar. You'd like to play it, but it won't play in tune. Yeah. Sounds a sack of shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And you just think to yourself, well, it's just going to collect dust in the corner. It's a fucking crime. That's a yeah. crime against guitars, you know, especially because this turns out to be like a lovely piece of ash, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's got this mental flipping glam rock finish about it. And funnily enough, sometimes punks don't mind that because the whole glam rock thing, which comes from David Bowie, you know, and David Bowie sometimes is heralded as being the first punk, mm. you know, and, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, he was a massive sponsor of Iggy Pop, yeah. who was the first punk, you know, so, yeah. so that kind of can go down well. Yeah. Now the tremolo system, punks, ah, you can't use them. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're not allowed. Yeah. But then you get Brian Setzer. Yeah, he's always he big, plays, always big, big speed. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Brian Setzer uses it, but you know there have been some guitars in the past, some guitarists that have used tremolos. But I just thought it's time to step out and be a bit, you know, be a bit rude, I suppose. You know, and just and just do it. I think it's a great, it's a great invention, really. It just runs on a blade, doesn't it? You can fit it onto a normal strap bridge without any drilling or anything, can't you? Yeah, it it runs on a blade. Um, it's. The design of it is so amazing, it can fit into a tiny space. Mm. So, like, the the space that I was allowed in here was pathetic. It was the smallest amount of space I've ever seen for a tremolo. Right. I think that we had, to, we had to open it up a bit. I have got a luthier. There's a guy called John Hare. He's based in Peterborough. He's uh, fantastic. Hi, John. He's, we, can, we can give him a link in the description. Yeah, John Hare Guitar Services. He's helped me out so much. He's my neighbour as well, so, you know. That's a bit louder. Yeah, so uh, it always helps. So um, so to try and give you an example, like with, with the, um, now with any traditional trem, which is, that's what it's based on. Yeah. yeah. So it's based on a, a strap, traditional trem. Unlike what you say, it's on a blade. Unlike, you know, when you get the old fashioned traditional trem, which is on six screws. Yeah. Which is like a huge block going backwards and forwards. But, yeah. you know, if you're, if you treat that right, that can work quite well. They can, they can. It's just, it's time and effort setting them up right. You can. You that's can that's it. Yeah. Because in one of my guitars, I've I've got one, and I really went to town getting that good. But then I thought, I just put a Vega trem in it, and the Vega trem has just taken it to another level, you know. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's on a blade, and um, you know it's floating, so it can go up and down. <laughs> So the action of it is very similar to, you know, to a Floyd. The result. So that's like a Floyd. So it goes all the way up, all the way down. The tuning of it. Bear in mind, I've literally just picked it up. So, I mean, I've, I would always be kind enough to stretch in a guitar a bit before a gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is literally out of the case in it. I haven't even checked if it's in tune anyway. No. 
June. You can't argue with that, can you? So then, let's have a look. <laughs> System works cool. Well, it's great. Should we see if it's in tune? <laughs> still there? <laughs> it's still there. Yeah. I, so I'm sorry about actually... all them mistakes. I didn't even. Oh, I didn't. Didn't warm up or anything. I just went for it. I wasn't expecting a performance on the podcast. That's awesome. Even <laughs> <Yeah>. was I. <laughs> but you well, know, I'll, I have I'll put a link for Vega Trems in the description if anyone wants to check them out because that's Do it. that's the first time someone's actually shown me. How they work i've not really looked into any demos and that's as good as demos yeah. anyway you know it's like here's me playing a full track and using the bar lots like i would if it was a floyd and it's not going to at you i mean what, no, what, be what what better way i've got to say really look i can do this now i'm always messing look i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> if, to floyd rose for what i'm about to do 
Uh, I bet I get really some stick now for this. But anyway, here we go. Look, I've got loads of Floyd Roses in loads of my guitar. This is actually my favorite solo guitar. I use this guitar for all my solos. That's a zero, right. that's a zero point system. I mean, that one. It's got one hell of a sound. Ah, oh, I'm in E flat. Okay, so right, E flat. I'll have to change the tuning of the track. So, so if I try to do the same. It's not the same. It's not as good. It's kind of stopping. That, that one will, though. That one, I know that, it. I, I know it will. It's the zero point one. It's the zero point trend. Yeah, I, but I, it's I, still. I never got on with those. They were all right. I always preferred the edge, the original edge system. They I did. took everything out of it though. Look. Ah, got you. Okay, so I've got the edge down here. Yeah, the edge is a is a, is a great system. That's the one. So, but listen, Chris, we know. <laughs> We know the limits of that tremolo system. It's still not as good. And also, it feels heavier, you know? There's more metal there. Bless! Yeah, there's, there's more metal there. But, like, if I try going... It's just not as great as... It, the, the Vega sounded really smooth on the yeah. on, smooth on the goggles, if you know what I mean. On the on, with the bar dips, it's 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 it sounded great. Everything. I mean, you know, and I I love this guitar, but you know, the trem system, it's better on the Vega. All all mine are set to well, the one apart from my Ibanez is everything set to be flat on the body. I don't have any pullback on mine. Don't uh, you? Nah. So a bit of a Van Halen thing. Yeah, I have them set like that with the with the yeah. Use the D tuner, then you see so. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, well, I have got that on one of my guitars, but what I do is I just block off the tremolo. Yeah, same thing. Just totally block it off. Same yeah. thing. It's just, it's just for me as well. If I ever pop a string, I'm not going to go out of tune in the middle of a song live. Like, I can carry on, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, well you shouldn't well, be breaking well, strings anyway. To be fair, I play nines <laughs> in E flat, so I don't break a lot. <laughs> so what, what are you playing through for your amp tones there? Sorry? What are you oh, playing through for your amp tones? Marshall JVM. Is that what we're hearing through this? Yeah. Yeah, Marshall JVM. Nice. Over there, mic's up. Yeah, it's. Uh, I like it a lot. You know. It's, uh, I haven't. I haven't been able to mic an, an amp in over a year. Literally, this, this 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 has been me for every day for guitar tones of the last year. <laughs> you know, just that. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. I mean, I've got a, I've got an amp collection, of course. Like you, have. I can't I can't use them at the moment. <laughs> well, I've got like I've got a room, um, and I just always make sure that I go in there and blast out an amp uh, because you you know, my mate that used to fix my amps for me, he's now uh, retired and he's he's quite he's quite ill. You know, he's quite an old guy. He's lost the use of like his hands and everything. He's in a wheelchair. He's, he's quite old. You know. But he's, he phoned me up the other day and he said, how are you getting on? And he goes, listen, you know, just a word of advice. Make sure you fire up them amps regularly. Mm -hmm. He says, those, those capacitors, if you don't do it, they'll start leaking. They'll be fucked before you know it. You've got a repair bill. Yeah. Yeah, you're not, yeah, you've got a repair bill and it may never sound the same. There's always that 
thing as well. So all you have to do is just regularly get it in a room, rig it up, spend an hour through it. Yeah. Warm it up. Get it warm. Yeah. So, and all these amps have got a different thing. It's like, look, I could play, I could play, I mean, this is a special guitar as well. This one, um, the, the pickup was actually wired by my friend, John Hare. Uh, and I got a tip off, um, oh, I'm trying to remember, what's the, what's the keyboard player of uh, Rainbow? The guy Don that was, eh? Hey? No, not Don, the other one. The one that was, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the Dio album, the, Rain the Rainbow with Dio, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, the keyboard player, his guitarist, he told me about, uh, he, he got a, a Seymour Duncan and what he did is he went to his luthier and he got a JB and he said to his luthier, could you just, could you rewire it for me, but just make it slightly hotter. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and so I, I had a broken JB, you know, so I thought hey, in for a penny, in for a pound. So I went to my luthier, John, and I, and I said, could you just try, just make it slightly hotter. And, and he came up with this beast and it's, yeah, it's really fantastic sounding. <laughs> Sounds great through everything. You know, yeah. plug it into a Marshall, sounds great. Plug it into a Mesa Boogie, sounds great. PV, 5150, 6505, sounds great. 6550, 65. You got it right first time? And so he, uh, it sounds great through everything. You know, like some, some guitars sound amazing in one amp, yeah. don't sound good in another. Yeah. You know, which is a bit strange, but yeah, it's the I, way I, the... I, I know exactly what you mean with that. Um, it's the way of the gain saturates it's just it, it, it's gain staging and things like that you're right yeah, yeah. it's, it's uh, just life you know it's, it's just it's just you have to accept it when you sometimes when you get a great guitar for very cheap on ebay which when you do you know if count your lucky stars but when you do um the reason why is because the guy who sold it couldn't get a good sound out of his amp because it was in the wrong amp it yeah. wasn't matched yeah it didn't yeah there's not that many bargains around anymore. There was a... <laughs> it's gone up again at it's the gone moment. Up. It's gone up. Yeah. I mean, I'm always looking, but I'm not massively impressed with a lot of the quality that's going on at the moment. There's a lot of shoddy guitars going for expensive, you know. I think there's two ways to look at it. I think what you're seeing is, um, I had this chat the other day, that there's no better time to be a guitar player than now with what's available for how much it costs. But at the same time, there's a trade-off between quality control and having brilliant spec at a certain price, if you get what I mean. Because everybody, because mm. what you can get for 500, 600 pound now is what we probably would, would have been a thousand pound 10 yeah, oh, years ago. Yeah, you want to bet. But the stuff's coming out so thick and fast that you're starting to see brands that are having issues with finish and fret sprout and things like that, you know. But these things are imported, they're coming over in containers. That's it's the moisture, it's the humidity, that kind of stuff. And people yeah. are getting direct to their house and going, well, why does the why does the fret stick out of the side of the fingerboard? Well, you, you, you know. every time you buy a guitar, really, you should, you should take... Go, you should go to the go shop to and try it. Go to the shop and try it. <laughs> you know? Well, wouldn't we like to do that again? I'd yeah. love... You know, I wish in Peterborough, I wish... I mean, I know, I think they've got one guitar shop, but you'd like, you know... It's the problem is though the bloody rates that they get charged, you know. But you would love like a a nice get close by guitar center with, you know, some of the guys that are kind of doing online shops, second hand shops online. You'd love it if a few of them kind of came together, 
you know, hired out one unit, had a corner each, and that was the guitar shop, you know. Yeah. They'll have a few new instruments that come in, of course, uh, the ones that take the chance on on doing that, and then you'll have yeah. a lot of good quality second hand, you know. Yeah. I've got to ask you, because I asked this to, to all the guys that I've, I've, I've chatted to so far, is that, uh, well, me personally, I think it's the same with everyone, they, they can always remember a moment in their life or, or a time that, that basically started them on this journey on, well, I'm going to be a guitar player or I'm going to play the drums or I'm going to play something. Yeah. Where, where, where did that come for you? Where did it, how did it all start out? When did, when did you get the bug? What inspired you? And, well, you, and, what, and what, tell us where, where it took you as well because you've been to some amazing places, haven't you? So. Well, my, my brother um, was a guitarist, so there was always a guitar around the house. And... Uh, just one day I must have been 10 years old and I just picked up an acoustic guitar and I just because I was listening a lot at that time 10 years old so it would have been 76 and I was listening to the Beatles a lot you know I'd kind of just discovered the Beatles well I discovered the Beatles really when I was about eight I think eight or nine uh the first album that I got was Help and then I started getting more and whenever I got you know saving up my pocket money doing jobs for the for my parents and uh, you know Christmas and birthdays so I'd buy another couple you know and then I'd sort of gradually bit by bit sort of that like, started to collect all the Beatles albums and then so I'd have their Beatles songs just playing in my head all the time you know and then one day I just picked up a guitar and I just kind of like I didn't do it straight off I was looking for the notes but I did it all by ear you know so i just basically try and figuring out the melody of she loves you and then i also had that monkey's song uh, in my head i'm a believer that bit. so i just tried doing that and then when it came up to my birthday I said, oh, can I get a guitar for birthday? And, you know, I got one. But I didn't know what to do. I had this lump of wood. And I was just, you know. I didn't know what I was doing. And um, so they bought me a chord book. And I remember, like, trying to figure out these chords. I still had these Beatles songs ringing around my head. But I didn't know how to play them. And I even tried to actually play a chord sequence but I didn't know how you did a chord sequence so I was doing things like this like and I was playing like that so I didn't know how you played didn't know how to, didn't know how to finger the actual chord yeah no and, yeah. and then one day I saw a chord diagram and just thought oh, isn't that first finger uh, set, third <laughs> and then my brother came home again because he was in and out at the time he was 18 so he was going in and out uh, and when he did he picked up the guitar and he just started going I 
and I was just transfixed watching him, thinking, "This is amazing," you know. Yeah. And uh, so then I started to learn how to play just like some basic rock and roll, like a. <laughs> I'll never forget when I first learned how to do that. So I was watching my brother and I was trying to sort of like, you're doing it. And I, should I use my second or my third finger? I was thinking, but I realized if I, I, I quickly realized if I use my second, it was easier to go. Like that. And the Beatles were doing that all the time, you know. Like that. So they were doing that thing all the time. And uh, so I was playing Eddie Cochran, Buddy Ollie, and uh, you know, bit of Beatles. Um <laughs> Like that kind of thing, revolution. And then uh, it was coming up to Christmas and I asked my dad, you know, can I get another guitar for Christmas? And then he said, yes, but you've got to have guitar lessons. So I started having guitar lessons and he took me to this jazz guitarist. And uh, he said, well, you, you know, for a start, you can stop playing that rock and roll, you know. <laughs> and But this is the mad thing, the jazz guitarist taught me how to construct chords right. so he taught me that basically you know like if i did this that this was a uh, you know a minor chord but if i did that it was a minor with a major seven minor right. with a seven minor with a six sharp and fifth and then he taught me how to play you know augmented and diminished chords and how i could construct chords using the first third and fifth adding the sevens and that i didn't need to learn every chord i could actually construct it yeah so instead of learning ten thousand chords you learn well, how to well, make well, your hand you learn to, yeah you, 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 you learn know. how to make them yeah. so that really helped that opened the world you know so like um All of a sudden, I was playing these, kind of like. I was doing all that kind of stuff. Like that kind of stuff. But then punk rock came along. And who can resist the sound of Steve Jones's chord at the beginning of Holidays in the Sun? 
yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Absolutely amazing. And then um, I'll just, that sound, Steve Jones's sound for me was like, oh my God, you know. And I, But at the same time, I still had, you know, like a lot of the old, the, the, the whole Hendrix thing going on. Because my brother, he, you know, he sort of, he used to have parties at his flat and he used to sort of like, keep me prison in his bedroom and say, I'll let you in the party if you learn how to play. And he'd put on Red House by Jimi Hendrix and I'd have to learn how to play. I'd have to like play a load of like Hendrix to get in the party. Right. So punk rock, then it took took you onto the putting suit. So just from all that, literally took you took you into gigging, didn't it? Getting yeah, because the first band I had was called The Exits. Um, but I had one before it called The Northern Lights. That was uh, they're all school, we're talking school bands. Mm -hmm. And the first song I ever played live was The Kids Are All Right which was, we did Eddie and the Hot Rods version of it, which was, you know, the, the, um, I don't mind all the guys dancing with my girl. That's fine. I know them all pretty well. Cause I know if I don't, I'll go out of my mind. Better leave her behind. Well, the kids are all right. The kids are all right. Like that, you know, that was the first song ever to play yeah, live. That you ever played live? Man. Yeah. Man. And then after that, we did um, like a load of Sex Pistols and sort of. Uh, uh, I remember like there was this new wave band called Tonight and they had a song called The Drummer Man and we, we played that. That was. We made out that we wrote it. Yeah. How did how did you transition from uh, like um, well I guess it's what's the similarities to it from sort of punk rock scene to the sort of the the 90s sort of dance massive dance rock scene as well. <laughs> well, you see the thing is with that is in the mid 90s uh, we reformed the English Dogs. Now the English Dogs, if you're not sure, they were basically one of the bands that. Um, the idea behind the English Dogs was to try, well, initially it was kind of like a punk band, like in the vein of, I guess, like, you know, a GBH kind of street punk band. But, you know, GBH always had a little bit of a motorheady feel about them. I don't know if you've ever heard any GBH. You heard I'm, any? Not, I'm, not, I'm not massively familiar now, but I will. Um, um, So you get the idea, you know, yeah. like that kind of thing. Yeah. So um, very motorheady. It's got that kind of rhythm on the hand, you know. Like that kind of stuff. 
yeah, very, very motorheady. It's got yeah. what's called the D beat. Do you know about the D beat? Tell me about the D beat. Okay, it's basically right. Yeah. Yeah. Which the ace of spades, yeah. 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 But um the D beat was a beat that the punk bands adopted and they used it all the time. So yeah. all right, so that kind yeah. of thing. We used to love just doing very short songs with like that rhythm going on all the time, you know. Energy, isn't it? Oh, it's great. Um, quite fast sort of stuff, you know. I mean, the bands that were doing it uh, eventually became everyone was doing it at one point. I mean, Dead Kennedys, they they did quite a good, you know, when they came along. Well, they, they suddenly took it up a notch and started doing blast beats. Yeah. Well, I've never really massively ventured into that road. But anyway, so English Dogs were... What a, a band that they went from GBH kind of punk to fusing together heavy metal and punk to form a new form of music called uh, Crossover. Mm. So like we would have, let's say, you know, like what was essentially, you know, like a, a kind of punk riff. Okay, so something like this. Um, <laughs> And that's very typical of a kind of like uh, 80s kind of punk, lots and lots of chords, you know. Um, I already started to add some metal -y stuff there. Yeah. But um, it was like... And then when we started to put the, you know, in the chord sequences, we wouldn't shy away from using tritones, you know. So, um, so let's have a think. All right, so that's basically very kind of dark chord yeah. sequences. And we weren't necessarily thinking about, oh, what scale does this use? You know, we were more well, kind does, of like, does it, does it sound interesting? Is it cool? You know, does it work? Yeah. Yeah. It was all really about, I mean, sometimes we just use nothing but shapes. <laughs> just shapes. And then later on, we'd have to learn what notes are going to work over that. So anyway, so the English dogs were a kind of crossover band and, um, and the prodigy, well, we were friends with a guy called Mo Rat, and still are. Mo Rat's a close friend. Mo Rat's a punk rocker through and through. He's got punk rock. Yeah, if he had a, if he cut his finger, punk rock would be bleeding out of it. He's the most punk rock guy out there. And, uh, you know, he's a great guy. He was the best man at mine and Tracy's wedding. And he got me in the prodigy. So he's a thoroughbred punk rock guy. And he was working for Kerrang at the time. And uh, I'd reformed the English Dogs and was like, trying my hardest to get us a gig, you know, get us a decent record deal. We even went to, we went to the States 
because it just didn't seem to be working over here, right? You know, I was trying to get as a better record deal over here. It looked like promising maybe I could get East West. You know, they had Wild Hearts at the time. Uh, but I was getting the runaround. Do you know what I mean? I was like on a weekly basis trying to get gigs, tours. We were touring with the Misfits. That's a good tour to get. Mm. Um, and then I'd be phoning up every other day, you know, like, I better not say the names of the people, but A&R people for all these record labels at East West and stuff, you know, come and see us live, you know, all this kind of stuff. And they're kind of like, they're playing that game. Ooh, don't know if I can commit, you know, I'll have to wait till someone else is into it and then I'll be into it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking game. Yeah. Can't you just invest? Put some faith into these bands, you know, be the first person who commits, be risky. Yeah. That's what all these great labels in the States did when you had bands like Iggy Pop coming along, television, you know, when you had all these names, yeah. these people were taking chances. And now over here, what's wrong with you? No one wants to take a fucking chance. I don't, I don't name that. I would love to give you the names, mm -hmm. but there's a couple of people out there that so play the game. They have pretty much destroyed original music for us. You know, it's like, what we hear is a, a diluted form of what we could have, you know, if yeah. they took the chance. But of course, they didn't take the chance. Ooh, they might risk their job. It's like, why don't you just take a risk? You might be doing some good for humanity. Is your job that fucking important? No. <laughs> humanity is. Do something for it rather than your poxy numbers of your albums that you hope to sell. Yeah, and, and most the, of it's uh, shit anyway. And the, and the marketing plans and the uh, the manufactured crap and the, like you say, diluted. What? What? I've never asked you this, even though we've met a, few, a bunch of times. And we, we we've been the, we've been the last people up in the bar and download one year. They had to tell yeah. us to leave, didn't they? Because we yeah. kept, kept the VIP going. And the whole the whole site was asleep, and there's just me and you at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What, what 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 stage rig would you would you use with when with the, with the prodigy being a very sort of obviously uh, electronic setup? What what would you what would you use guitar wise to, to fit in with that mix? Marshalls. Marshalls, yeah. Eight yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I've got what I did at the at the beginning. I've got one of those thirtieth anniversary heads. So in '96, I used that. Yeah. And just a tube screamer, you know, just a couple of effects, you know. Yeah. Did you have to have like all your guitars in like weird tunings and stuff? No. Because no. of the sample rates. I've always wondered about the sample rates and things oh, like that. That's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. I was very fortunate. We had a, a sound guy that always put my guitar really loud. Oh, right. Brilliant. Yeah. Nick, uh, he was great. Yeah. He put my guitar super loud. And I think that the guitar kind of went over any of the sample rate issues. But I always, I mean, later on, I ended up getting, um, you know, like some preamps uh, with built-in effects with pitch shifters. So I changed the pitch, you know, which is kind of commonplace now with Kempers and stuff, you know. Yeah. Do you, do you, ever, do you ever venture into that sort of area? Do, do, do you use yeah, Kempers and things like that? I've got a Kemper, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. sure. And you, you see more and more of them touring now as well, don't you? Because it's 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 cheaper for an international band to 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 to, to use that than to hire backlining, you know. Yeah, it's. Um, My only worry is that everyone will start sounding the same soon because they'll all be using the same profiles. <laughs> well, I mean, I still think really that 
you know, it's you do have some places that have got their own amps and stuff, which I think that as a guitar player, it's worth trying your, your hardest at trying to play through everything if you can, you know. It's a bit of fun anyway. Try not to take yourself too seriously, which yeah, I guess I is like, you know, um, you know, if you can try and get a decent noise out of every amp possible with the minimum amount of uh, fuss, uh, it's, it's a good thing to try doing. Well, well, I've seen you playing through Marshalls, Boogies and 6505s in the past. Yeah. You know, but but you, you, you stain together. But I've got a, Fox as well. Well, the thing is, though, this is the difference. This is, this is what I'm getting at is like it always sounds like you. They're different amps, but the tone's not a million miles away from where it is because you know you know how to dial it in. You know what you're yeah. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you kind of, you get, you, you figure it out. I think generally, as long as you've got a tube screamer, <laughs> you can pretty much get what you want. But of course, you know, um, it, it can be more of a challenge if you put into something like, um, yeah, it, it, you know, I guess uh, something like a Fender Basement or something like that. But yeah, I've come across Fender Basements where if you crank it up all the way, they sound absolutely fantastic. But um, yeah, so, and also, you know, like the, the whole Van Halen going into a plexi and turning everything up full. Yeah. I mean, I'm really fascinated by that, you know. I don't have a plexi. I'd like to have one. Turn it up full. Yeah. And what's the, it's a Variac. It's a Variac to lower the voltage going to the amp, basically. Yeah. And he, he was running it, instead of 120 volts in the States, which is the standard power over there, 120 volts, he was running it around 89, 90. Yeah. And it actually, it actually pr prolonged the life of the tubes a little bit. But what it actually did was it kind of squished and gave, made the amp work a bit harder. So it was generally a more gainy and more compressed sound that he got out of it. And that was, well, that's where, that's where the hard rock sound started in the 80s, wasn't it? You know, it was the, everybody, well, wanted, never every, everybody wanted their Marshalls modded, you know? Never mind the 80s. What about in the, you know, in the late 60s when people were playing really loud? Yeah. No, they, they there was just, no PAs. They, there was no PAs around then. They had to play well, they yeah. just had, the, but can you imagine what it was like for the actual, like the singers on stage, you know, when the, the, the guitarist would have like, the, uh, you know, a, a plexi cranked up full with like two cabs, maybe four, maybe, maybe four, yeah. Six, you well, know. Got, back in the day of like Pete Townsend and Richie Blackmore having 200 watt Marshall heads. Yeah. Well, because of what the mess of boogies, 150. That's yeah, pretty. 100 wasn't loud enough, like, you know, nowadays we're on stage where we can only have them up about two. It must have been so definitely loud. You know, I'm kind of fascinated. There's back in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, when prog was starting to sort of come along, and, um, you know, you'd have bands like Atomic Rooster and, and, uh, They'd be in in Peterborough. I mean, obviously, I wasn't around then. But in Peterborough, there was a club which was like in the back room of a hotel, and these, you know, all the Black Sabbaths and were, were playing in this room, and apparently, it was just so definitely loud in there that you know it would just make people sick, you know. And it, they'd, how did it happen? <laughs> you know, what I mean, you can imagine how loud it was. It's crazy to think about, isn't it? Really, but like I said, there was no such thing as big PA's then. No. I mean, the, the, you got the Beatles playing Shea Stadium with two AC30s, and it's just yeah. like, it's like, it's what is that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's nuts. It's you hilarious. Know. So what? Well, so I tried what, getting, I tried using the same approach because I am fascinated about Van Halen's tone. So I, I 
tried um, getting a, seeing if I could get anything similar out of my JCM 800, but really you do it because of the gain stage being different. Yeah. yeah. So you have to turn the mid down. It's more of a preamp preamp gain based amp the 800 where the where the, yeah. the plexi you've got to crank the output tubes. It's a different. It's yeah. A different, it's a different. Kind it's a different of thing. Different animal. You can turn everything up full. Yeah. But on the, the JCM 800, you can't do that. You know, you've, you've got to turn the mid down. You've got to turn the treble down. It will cut your head off. It will. It will. If you don't do it, it will murder you. you know? It will. It will. I mean, I, I, <laughs> the loudest thing I've ever plugged into was um, testing Tono Emmy's stage rig, which was eight heads and 16 cabs. Bloody hell. All slaved. They're all, they're all on. Yeah. They're all on. <laughs> yeah. I got, I, got, I, got in, I got in the car to go home. It was on Friday after after the factory closed. This was back when I was at Laney. Literally, I got in the car and turned the radio on. Started yeah. driving. Couldn't hear it. Turned it up. Couldn't hear it. I couldn't hear it. Oh, God. I lost my hearing for two days. I didn't realise how it was more of a feel thing than a hear thing. It was that loud, you know, at stage volume. And it just knocked my hearing out for two days. Oh, shit. Yeah. Quite scary at the time, but yeah, yeah it is. But but it's rock and roll, isn't it? <laughs> what's the what's the what's the what's what's your favourite show you've ever played? And it could be it could be for any It could be you, you've done you've played massive places all over the world, and you're in, you know. Uh, the probably I'm going to have to say, and I'll change my mind next week. But when I played the Phoenix um, Festival in '96 with the Prodigy, it was the it was an important gig. It wasn't just, I'm, I'm not even, it's difficult to say favourite, but it was super important, that gig. Um, in some ways it was favourite. Uh, oh man, I mean, you see the, the way how the Prodigy used to operate was almost like a tag team. Um, you'd have Keith, he'd have his thing. And then you'd have um, Leroy, who was like, you know, six foot seven dancer. And when he danced, his arms and legs all over the place, it was it was almost like he was on stilts. It's so big. And then, you know, you got Maxim nearly throughout the gig emceeing and, you know, a lot of charisma. And with his lenses, you know, kind of you know, quite scary looking guy. Whereas Keith was like <coughs> literally energy in, uh, represented by a human being. There, there was th the energy in that guy was furious yeah it was almost magical it was you know there was almost something to him that was otherworldly you know he had so much energy and so it was like a tag team he would go on one after the other one after the, like that kind of thing and then 20 minutes you know and you can imagine it's quite an agonizing amount of time 20 minutes and it's my first song that i'm going to get up and play and there's this song called weather experience and um it's just like this amazing build-up. The song is kind of almost ethereal, sort of sad. It's the end of one thing, the beginning of another. And then it signaled me stepping out onto the stage. And then, you know, the first thing was that kind of... Like that. And I had this kind of, at the time, I might have to use a different guitar. Probably have to use the blue one. Uh, and that guitar at the time was tuned to a drop D, so it won't be the same. This one isn't at the moment. Um, but the first thing that I did was like that. 
can't even remember what I did. Let me just get the chord. That's it. So, so you got to try and imagine. And I'm coming in with that. Ah, you get on. Remember, <laughs> it's a long time ago. Like that. So that intro and that kind of funny SOS interjecting with this, you know, I had like a couple of marshals behind me and uh, you know, it was very loud. They were cranked right up. And of course, it was all coming through the, you know, the monitor system, which was 35,000 watts on That's stage. <laughs> wow. So it was really loud. And I wasn't using in-ears. It was all monitors. And um, and this whole kind of SOS signal, which is kind of like uh, a little bit like Asteroid, you know, the old kind of um, uh, the in-between films music at the at the cinema, you know. So yeah, yeah, I was going yeah. for that approach, which I seem to remember. I'm sure there was a tune out at the time that sampled it. So I kind of it mixed was, that. Actually, yeah, yeah. And then, um, and you know, Liam was totally happy. And then straight on. And I was wearing my old leather jacket that I used to wear in the Destructors back when I was 14, 15, 16, 17, back in 1981, two, three, four. And, um, you know, it was, it was fucking, and then I'm on stage in front of 75,000 people with Keith and, Maxim and everyone's going bloody mental. And I, I'll tell you that the build-up, the build-up was so huge that when the audience, they you know, and and also Maxim, he said at the time when I came on stage, he actually shouted out "Giz, Giz, but he shouted that through about you know a million watts. So throughout the entire festival, and I'm I'm there giving it this "Giz, but you know, and they're like. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, it was a great moment. And it just kept building, building, building until eventually. Wah! And the amount of people that all jumped up and down at the same time. Mm. Whoa. You know, you felt the earth tremor. And, and then there was the middle section, which unfortunately, as I don't have, the only way that I can do this is using the telly now, because that's the only one I can drop D. Right. So if I do it with the telly, you'll know what I mean. Ah, Jesus. <laughs> it's all in the name of art. All right, so. Like that and again that bit as well when that built up it was just it was like the, the audience were almost it was orgasmic you know it was the feeling it's this damn energy and i tell you that you know a lot of it was coming from keith you know the energy was ferocious yeah it was like an orgy of energy it was brilliant but then to top it off you know i came off and you know it was amazing and then another couple of songs went went on. And then 
I'm getting prepared in about eight minutes. I'm going back on the stage and, you know, the next song was going to be Firestarter. And that song was almost, in a way, it was almost like my little me and Keith's thing, really. Just before we were playing it, I heard the tech guy, Phil, he whispered, oh my God, it's Bowie. And I turned around and there's fucking David Bowie coming up the steps. He's coming right towards me. Wow. And I, I'm just, I'm thinking, it's David fucking Bowie. Do you know what I mean? I just couldn't believe. And he comes right up. He goes, how's it going? You know, I've heard that they, they've got this new guitarist, you know, what's it like? <laughs> you know? And I just said, yeah, it's great. It's great. I'm just about to go on, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to stay here and watch, you know? And I'm like, Wow, fucking hell. Now, if you watch the YouTube footage of Prodigy at Phoenix Festival 96, and if you watch just before Firestarter, you'll see me running from the right behind my Marshall stack, and you'll see my hand coming out and pointing. And I'm pointing at David Bowie, who's smiling back at me with those great, big, beautiful teeth of his. And, you know, and I'm saying, this one's for you. And fuck, yeah, that moment, you know, and then going out and fire starter, you know, it was orgasmic, you know, it was. But there was other things involved too, you know, which made it kind of like something to think about, you know. You'll have to read about it. I am writing a, writing a book. All right, cool. So you'll one day... You know, you'll find out all the, the full story. There was a, there was something that happened. And when that thing, and it happened there and then. So in other words, if you watch the live footage, you'll see it happening. All right. But you probably won't guess. So you'll have to read the book when I, when I do it. But the thing that happened, not only was it the beginning of something great, it was the beginning of the end. Right. To be continued. To be continued, yeah. What's your next question? I was going to ask you, uh, just to, just to finish up, I was going to say, what can we, what do we got to look forward to? You just mentioned the book as well, so that's kind of leading into it. But yeah, obviously you're working on music at the moment as well, aren't you? We, we, you know, yeah. What what can we look forward to when we can get out and uh, get about a bit and start doing some live shows and things? You know. Yeah, it's all. I mean, the phone's ringing. We've got some bookings. Look out for Jaina Stark. Uh, and we're on Time and Matter Records. So what, again, whilst the lockdowns happened, you know, we've released two albums. Mm which we did that, you know, and, uh, and they're, so they're out there. So look out for Jaina Stark and you'll find these, these records. I've been going out and playing. The other thing that I did during the lockdown, uh, I recorded an album with a band called The Dole. Right, okay. Yeah, which is like an early punk band. But we did it and, you know, we did it during the lockdown, you know, and we were all quite chuffed with it. You know, we did a good job. We actually recorded most of the album before lockdown happened so that I could just do my bits in here, you know? Mm, yeah. So, so I did, I did the vocals on that as well. So that's about to come out. Brilliant. The Destructors, my old punk band, uh, we're about to release, um, cause our bass player, he passed, which is tragic, but I had a load of 
tapes you see from back in the day. So we're about to re-release like a remixed uh, EP. So, and we've made these old songs sound pretty spunky, you know, even though they were only recorded on eight track, but they sound great, you know, so the wonders of modern technology and things like that. And uh, so we're doing that, working on an English dog sting as well. Um, been trying to get hold of all the live footage. I've got ideas. I'd love to put out some live, some really good live stuff. Um, and new Jonah Stark album. So 15 songs. Start recording that properly in April. But um, we've, uh, there's a lot going to be going on in the fall, you know, in September. So we're doing a new album. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Really looking well, forward to well, that. What I can do is I can put all the links to all the projects and, and, and everything in the description in here. So anything that you want to, to put well, the last people album, in the right direction of, yeah, I, could, I can put them in here. The last one, I reckon, if there's anything that, pe if people want to hear me do anything, it's the last album, Angel in the Flames, because, you know, we really worked hard for that album, you know, so that's the one. Check that out, you know. You can get it wherever, you know, if, wherever you want to buy it. If you want vinyl, you can get the vinyl. If you want CD, you can get the CD. If you want to download it, you can download it. If you want to stream it, you can stream it. Angel in the Flames, check that album out. That's the one to check out. That's the one, yeah. Well, brilliant, mate. It's it's been so nice catching up because I think I don't think we've seen each other for about five years, have we? No. I think the last time we did was the aforementioned uh, last people up on the whole of Donington site, weren't we? <laughs> and we both had it all happen to us as well, haven't we? You know, we couldn't, might... couldn't get couldn't get in the tent, could we? Remember? Wouldn't open. No. <laughs> but I mean, we both had a right load of shit happen as well in the last few years. You know, both my parents died last year. Fucking hell, you know. I've lost mine in the space of a couple of years as well, as you know. You know yeah. So when, when I left the left the industry to, to look after him, but yeah, know, it's got to move on. It's got to keep going, haven't you? Keep plugging away, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just remember that they were great because they created you, and they were, you know, they were. I'm. We're lucky to have had good parents, aren't we? Massively. Yeah. I remind myself that every day, every day. Yeah, we're very lucky, you know. We are. Yep. Well, with that, buddy, I'll, uh, I'll, like I say, all links will be in the description for all the projects. I'll also put in the ones for the, for the gear we discussed as well, because we discussed yeah. the knuckle pickups and the Vega trends and all that stuff's really cool. Um, One last bit of gear I need to... Hip yeah. shot tuners. Hip shot tuners. Okay, no problem. You swear by those too, yeah? I mean, I pay... I don't get them for free. I pay for them. Oh, yeah. I just... I love them. Yeah? I just love them. They're so cheap, you feel like, you know, if, if you try and get them for free, you feel like a bit of a twat. <laughs> yeah, I get you on that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But, but, but people, there is, there is no depth that people will not stoop to get free things, believe me, <laughs> after being in the business and the questions you get asked sometimes. It's like, really? It's like two pounds, you know? Yeah. You don't get it, you know? I mean, there's these Ibanez guitars as well. I don't have any in this room, but there's, you know, like the ARZ 200, which is like the Les Paul lookalike. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a collection of them. I got one of them for 180 pounds. You know, what's the fucking point in trying to blag that for free? It's nearly free anyway, you know. Yeah, it's, 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 a lot, it's a lot of guitar for 180 quid, yeah? Yeah. Really, if, the, if anyone out there wants to get a great guitar for like 
really cheap. Try and get one of them. Yeah, they are good. They are great. They're very uh, good. Good advice, as normal, man. This has been really enjoyable, actually. We've covered a lot of stuff. We've had even had a little bit of live performance in here as well, <laughs> which, I, which I didn't expect, and it's awesome. You know what I mean? It's great. I've really loved it. So, uh, yeah, links and it will be in the description below for all the things we spoke about today. Giz, it's been fantastic to catch up, mate. I've really, really enjoyed it. And I'll see you all soon. We'll drink again. Don't know when, (laughs) don't know when. But I know we'll drink again some sunny day. Yeah, see you again. I'm looking forward to it, mate. I'll see you again as soon as as we can. Okay, I'm going to go and have a cup of coffee. So I'll see you later. But it's been great, mate. Thanks so much. Cheers for now. In a bit. You've been listening to the Beer and Gear podcast with Chris Taylor.